The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Awesome. Uh, can you all hear me? Yes, I can hear myself, so I'm sure that you too can hear me. Well, guys, welcome to church. Uh, like I said, my name is Shane, and I have the privilege this morning of preaching, of opening God's Word as we continue in this series. But I say, as we are walking through this Sermon in the Mount that the preached by Jesus. And a few weeks ago, we started this by kicking off looking through these beatitudes, these blessings that Jesus would say characterize those who inherit the kingdom. And then uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the identity of those in the kingdom, that we are in fact salt and light in this world, and we are to shine bright the light of Christ to those in this dark and decaying world. And then last week, Kylam spoke about the relationship between the Word of God and how we are to see the Word of God based on how Jesus spoke about it. They didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it, and that all of Scripture points to Jesus. And we kind of finished last week with this verse 20 from chapter 5, and this is what it said. Verse 20. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's where we kind of left off last week. Unless your righteousness is beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees, then you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then what we get to today is the first of six examples that Jesus is going to give us challenging our righteousness. We're really challenging our self-righteousness. And the first one that we're going to look at this morning is that of anger. And so we're going to open God's word this morning we're going to read from Matthew 5, 21 to 26, and then we'll get into it. So this is God's word. He is who he says he is. He has done what he says he has done, and he will do what he says he will do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's read together. You have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, there, and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison." Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, there is a lot in this scripture this morning that is challenging. It talks about murder. It talks about anger. And I thought it necessary, before we get into it, to confess something for you guys this morning. For your sake and for my wife's sake, that I'm not always great on this front. As I was studying this scripture this week, preparing for this sermon, I was convicted and deeply grieved in my own heart at moments when I have been angry, at moments when I have used my words not to build up but to tear down. And so I need to repent to the Lord and allow His grace and forgiveness to wash over me. And so I thought it necessary to stand before you this morning, clean before God, but also clean before man, saying there is going to be moments where I'm going to be hypocritical this morning. You might not know it, but my wife sure does. And I need the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to work in me. And I also know that I'm not going to be the only one this morning who is challenged by God's Word. And so I want to encourage us all to come to the Word of God this morning. Honestly and openly, 
Let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Remind us that there is forgiveness and grace found in Jesus and that he might, through his word, make us more and more like his son. Does that sound good? Awesome. Well, let's pray to that end. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and active. And thank you that it doesn't let us sit in our sin. That your word shines a bright light into our heart and reveals the deep and darkness of it. And then it also gives us hope. It speaks about the one who came to bring grace and forgiveness, not condemnation. And so this morning I pray, Holy Spirit, that we might hear your word spoken, that we might understand what you have to say to us, that we might grow as a body of believers that look more and more like Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, there are a few things that I think we see in this passage this morning. There are three things in particular, I think. We see a call from anger, a call to flee from anger in our lives. And then I think we see a call to reconciliation, to move towards reconciling relationships. And then overall, the arching uh, kind of paradigm of this passage is a call for righteousness, because our righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So first, would you look at me at this call from anger? So Jesus begins by saying, hey, you have heard it, the, the oral teaching of the Lord that you shall not murder. They would have all heard this is the sixth commandment God has given. You shall not murder. And if you murder, you'll be liable to judgment. They would have known this. And I find it interesting that Jesus begins with this commandment. Because this is the one, like for most of us, we can say, yeah, I haven't killed anyone. Most of us. Right, we, we, we hear this one and we go, yeah, I can tick that box. That's one of ten. I'm pretty sure I haven't done that. I'm pretty sure I'm innocent of that. And Jesus goes, well, if there is anger in your heart, then you are just as liable. Like that's confronting, right? You could just imagine what they would have heard in that moment. Like what is Jesus talking about? There would have been confusion, maybe some frustration and anger towards Jesus. Like what is he talking about here? Is he saying there is a new commandment now? And I think it's important for us to, to realize this morning that Jesus isn't rewriting the law. He's not giving us a new commandment as saying the old commandment is gone and the new one now is don't be angry. No, we heard last week from Kyle that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it. And so he's not reinterpreting the law. He's rightly interpreting the law. He's not rewriting this law, putting himself against Moses and what was taught, but against the distortion of the law. He's saying this is how the law is meant to be understood, rightly, truly. That if there is anger in your heart, you are just as liable to judgment as someone who has committed murder. Like that's heavy, right? That's heavy this morning. And I think it's important that we kind of discuss what kind of anger Jesus is talking about here because there is a type of anger that isn't sinning. Paul in Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. It's this idea that we can be angry and not sin or there is a type of anger that isn't sinning. And we see this in Jesus' life, particularly one of my favorite stories is he goes to the temple and he sees people buying and selling things, setting up a casino, and he starts flipping tables. Like he's angry in that moment, right? And yet he wasn't sinning. Well, how? How is that possible? Well, we would say there's a type of righteous anger, a type of righteous anger that arises within us when we experience evil that profanes the holiness of God and perverts his goodness to those he loves. 
a type of righteous anger that rises up within us when we experience evil that profanes God's holiness and perverts his goodness to those made in his image. A type of righteous anger that arises when we experience sin in our own lives, in the lives of others, when we experience injustice in the world around us. A righteous anger that should lead to righteous action. And that's what's happening here with Jesus. He's not out of his mind. He didn't just explode because he saw this thing. No. And we know that because John 2.15 talks about the fact that Jesus didn't just flip tables, but he made a whip. And you'd say, well, that seems like he's more angry, right? But what that means is Jesus would have had to go and get some cord and then go and sit there and wind that cord together into a whip. And some scholars say that would have taken several hours to do. So Jesus didn't explode in that moment. He had time. He was in control always, knowing he was about to go and cause a ruckus, right? This is a type of righteous anger, and this is not what Jesus is talking about in this moment. And I want to argue this morning that this is rarely us. Like, if we're honest, this is rarely us. Sometimes we think that we're righteously being angry because they cut us off in traffic and we didn't run them off the road. Maybe we just mumbled a few words under our breath. And Jesus is saying, that's the point. Like, the point of this whole passage is it isn't just about our actions. Our heart matters. The disposition of our heart matters just as much as our actions. See, for the Pharisees, they thought it was okay they didn't murder anybody. They could then treat them however they wanted. And Jesus is saying no. They thought as long as their hands didn't perform the outward action, the inward attitude of the heart was irrelevant. And Jesus is saying no, your heart matters. What is on the inside matters. Your thoughts and feelings towards others actually matter. Church, this morning, if there is anger in our heart, if we have a disposition towards being frustrated, towards lashing out at others, towards bitterness and despise for those around us, then Jesus is saying we need to take this serious. Like this is heavy, right? Like this is Jesus making a serious point here. Like who here has been angry before? Like, I confess to the start that I've been angry, and Jesus would say, no, actually, you confess to murder in your heart. Like, this is serious. In the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached, he thought it necessary to talk about anger. Why? Because anger is a sinful disease of our hearts. And where there is anger, unity cannot exist. Where there is anger, love for one another cannot exist. Where there is anger, the body of Christ cannot be salt and light in this world. And so for citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we need to do something about the anger in our heart. We need to take seriously the anger in the heart, and we need to truly believe that what's on the inside matters just as much as our actions, our heart's disposition towards others, how we react in situations. Our hearts matter. And it's not just our heart's disposition. For most of us, when we get angry, it comes out verbally. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to hell of fire. Well, that seems to escalate quickly, right? Jesus is saying, If that anger in your heart arises, causing you to insult those around you, causing you to call them a fool, or subtly put them down or yell, and using your words to tear down, then you are liable to hellfire. See, the word hell here was Gehenna. It was a, a literal place just outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And what it was was this big junkyard that people would throw their trash that was constantly burning. 
the Bible uses it several times as an illustration of eternal damnation. And Jesus is saying, if you go around calling people a fool, insulting them, tearing them down with your words because of the anger in your heart, then that's where you belong. Jesus is making a serious point here that as Christians, as those who inherit the kingdom of God, we need to take our heart's disposition seriously. We need to have a look at our words and our actions. Proverbs says we have the power of life and death in our tongue. Do we use our words to build up, to encourage, to honor? Or most of the time do we use our words to tear down? And so what do we do this morning? Maybe you're already feeling convicted. I know I am. Jesus isn't saying this that we might experience condemnation because we know for those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. There is forgiveness and grace and love. But I think there are some things we can do this morning to help, to be obedient in understanding that our heart's disposition matters. I think one of the the first things we can do is confess. Confess and repent. Confess to the Lord. Come honestly to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Repent, turn from your ways, and then let the grace and mercy of Christ wash over you. And then I would say, confess to a brother or sister. If this is you this morning, turn to somebody. Maybe it's your life group leader. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's someone in a discipleship group. Whoever it is, share that with them. We all have our thing. We all have sin that bears down on us that we're trying to fight. One of the greatest ways we can do that is to confess to our brothers and sisters. James 5 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ as we come together confessing our sin, then praying for each other that we might be healed. Not to hold each other accountable to our sin, but to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to move in that moment that we might be healed. There is healing that comes through confession and repentance. One of the second things I think we can do is spend time with Jesus. Classic Christian response, I know, right? But it isn't. Because if we truly believe that anger is a heart issue, then like Sarah said this morning, we need Jesus, the only one that can change our hearts. The only one that can do something about our sinful heart. We need to spend time with Jesus, walk with Jesus, Talk to Jesus, because the more time we spend with him, the more like him we will become. And our attitudes will change. Our desires will change. I can almost guarantee you that if you spend time in God's word, letting God's word wash over you, renewing your mind through the word of God, that you will be changed, that you will react differently in situations. If you spend time reading through Ephesians, you get to Ephesians 2, and it talks about the fact that you were dead in your sin but God made you alive in Christ. Or maybe you're reading through Romans, you get to Romans 5, 8, and you read that God showed his love towards you, that while you were a sinner, he died for you. And then you realize when you get to Hebrews that actually he died for you, but it says that for the joy set before him, he went to the cross, willingly abandoned himself. Maybe you read the story of the prodigal son, the fact that you walked away, you turned away from God, you insulted him, you threw everything away, and then you come back crawling with your tail between your legs, expecting to experience anger, and you're met with grace and love lavished upon you. Or maybe you read the Old Testament of time and time and time again of the people of God rejecting and turning away and being met with what? 
mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy, and then something happens in your life where someone annoys you, and what? You remember. Because the Word of God is in you. All that you have done, and Christ met with you in compassion and mercy and grace, and so you respond differently. Church, I can guarantee you this morning, if we spend time in God's word, walking with Jesus, allowing the word of God to wash over us, our response in these moments will be different. And then if we spend time praying, asking the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do, sanctify us, cleanse us, make us anew, then we'll be people dramatically different than we were before. People not marked by anger, but marked by the fruit of the Spirit. And then I think another great thing that we can do is hope. Trust in God and hope in the gospel. Knowing that Jesus didn't just come to defeat the punishment of sin, but to defeat the power of sin over our lives. That those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. Our chains have been broken like we sung this morning whom the Son set free is free indeed. If you're in here this morning and you get angry, you have a heart's disposition towards anger, there is hope for us. There is hope for us that we're not always going to be like that. Sometimes we think we're always going to be stuck in this sin, but our chains have been broken. We can walk away as we flee the devil, as we flee the enemy and move towards righteousness and grace. There is hope for us this morning. If you knew me before I was a Christian, even when I first became a Christian, I am a vastly different person. Walking with Jesus has changed me. I do things now that I never would have done. I have different desires, different motives. Every second word I used to say before I was a Christian, I'm not even going to say up here this morning, and hopefully never again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because that's what Christ does. He changes us. We need to believe that this morning. We're not always going to be like that. This is the hope of the gospel. That the power of God at work within us transforms us. That what he promised to do is bring it to completion. That God is working in us, taking us from one degree of glory to the next. This is the good news for us who do get angry, who do get frustrated, who use our words to pull down, to tear down. That as we come to God, as we repent, as we turn to him, as we walk with him and spend time with him, the Holy Spirit will change us. And then lastly, and I think we see this in the passage this morning, one of the greatest things we can do is move towards reconciliation. We read this. It says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you'll never get out until you have paid the last penny. What we see here is Jesus transitions from an anger that is within our hearts to an anger that is in the hearts of others towards us. He's saying, hey, you understand that it's important that we do something about the anger in our hearts, but it's also important that we don't just let anger fester in relationships. Anger fester in the hearts of our brothers and sisters towards us. And he gives us these two examples. The first example is kind of like you're driving on your way to prayer and worship. And you remember you had an argument during the week with somebody. 
Jesus is saying, hey, you need to pull that car over. You need to call that person, reconcile that relationship. Go to them if you need to. Consider what you have done. Repent to them, confess them, and reconcile that relationship, and then get your butt to prayer and worship. It's this idea that as we come to God in worship, we need to take serious our other relationships, our feuds that we have with one another. And he's not saying that reconciliation is more important than worshiping God. Because I say, as we reconcile relationships, we are worshiping God. But the Bible says that obedience is greater than sacrifice. So we need to be obedient to the fact that we are called to love God and love others. That the only relationship we focus on, if it is just our vertical relationship, when we're not keeping that command, we also need to understand that our horizontal relationships matter. And Jesus is calling us to reconcile relationships. We need to reconcile this morning. Maybe as you sit in here, I'm not telling you to get up and go and reconcile. Just wait till I'm finished preaching. But there are relationships we need to reconcile this morning. Then the second image he gives us is a picture of someone being dragged to court. See, back in those days, if you wanted to take someone to trial, you had to literally physically go and get them and drag them in front of the judge. And Jesus is saying, if you find yourself in that situation, walking with someone to the judge, just reconcile there and then. Fix that disagreement right there and then because you don't know what's going to happen when you get in front of the judge. And the point is not to try and avoid trial. The point is to reconcile quickly. Reconcile quickly. Do you see, Jesus doesn't even talk about who is right or wrong in these situations because who's right and wrong is irrelevant. Our responsibility as Christians is move towards reconciliation. It's to do all that we can to bring about reconciliation in our relationships, to be people of reconciliation. Maybe that's you apologizing. Maybe that's you forgiving. Whatever it is, we have a responsibility to reconcile our relationships. Do we do that, reconciliation? Or do we let anger and bitterness fester? Because church, even though we understand that anger is dangerous to our hearts, we need to understand that it's dangerous to the hearts of those around us as well. And so we have a responsibility to do all that we can to help reconcile that. To make sure that anger doesn't sit there, that relationships are torn apart because of this. And we also need to understand that we're never going to be able to reconcile every single relationship, right? Because a relationship takes two people. We can't control what the other person does. But what we can control is how much we own in those moments. What we can control is how much we forgive in those moments, how much we say sorry in those moments, how much we fight for reconciliation in those moments. That's what we can own. And that's what we're called to do as Christians, to take responsibility for the anger that is against us and say, how can I move towards reconciliation in this moment? Not sit in your selfishness and go, oh, I'm fine. Let them be angry. Jesus is saying, no, we need to move towards reconciliation. We need to do all that we can. We have a responsibility to be people that lay our lives down for others. And this is what we are called to, knowing that we're not always going to be able to reconcile every relationship. Romans 12, 18 says this, if possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with one another. As far as it depends on us, we are called to live peaceably with those around us. And so sometimes that means owning more than you need to own. 
apologizing more than you need to apologizing. It always means forgiving more than you need to forgive. As far as it depends on you. It's where reconciliation isn't a good thing. Carl spoke about this a few weeks ago. Maybe there's a situation, for an example, if it's a domestic violence situation. There can be forgiveness in our heart towards them. There should be forgiveness in our heart. The Lord calls us to not hold on to anger. It's a disease of our soul. And so we can move towards forgiveness. But in terms of a reconciled relationship, it's probably not wise. And there is a difference there. But we all are called to let go of our anger, to leave it at the foot of the cross, and then pray and love those around us. And pray that the Holy Spirit will come and not just work in your heart and their heart, but bring that relationship back together. But there are going to be times when reconciliation isn't possible. There are people in this room right now that know they need to reconcile relationships. That even as I'm preaching, there's that person coming into your mind. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a parent, sibling. Maybe it's somebody at work that you had a disagreement with and you just don't talk anymore. Maybe it's a neighbor or someone you used to know back in the day and something happened in that relationship and now you just avoid each other. You haven't spoken for years. Maybe it's someone sitting on the opposite side of the hall to you this morning. There are people that are coming to our mind and I pray that we're obedient to the call to reconcile this morning. That as we leave here, we would reconcile those relationships. Not tomorrow, not next week, today that we'll be people quick to reconcile, move towards reconciliation. Why? Because Jesus reconciled us to God. Because while we were enemies with God, while we were insulting him with the way we lived, calling him a fool by our actions, while we were dragging Jesus to court because of things that didn't go our way in our life, Jesus stepped in and reconciled us to God. And not just reconciled us, but took the wrath, the righteous anger of God upon himself that you and I deserved. He brought reconciliation so that me and you might have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. There was a debt that we deserved. We deserved hellfire, and we could never pay that debt. And Jesus steps in and took it upon himself, took the punishment, took the death, and in return gave us his righteousness, gave us grace and mercy and love. And so we now walk free this morning, free to be people of reconciliation, Church, our job is to be people of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. We're not just reconciled to God because of Christ. He has now given us a ministry of reconciliation. So church, our job, our ministry is to be people of reconciliation. As we seek to reconcile the relationships around us, to shine bright the love of Christ into those arenas and also call people to be reconciled to God. How are we going with this ministry? Do we live lives that are marked by a ministry of reconciliation? Are we seen to be people that own what we need to own, that are quick to apologize, quick to forgive, that pray for our enemies and those who persecute us? Is that us this morning? Because this is what Christ is calling us to. And as the band come up, I just want to finish with this. Because we have seen that we are to be called from anger. 
are people that flee anger, that do what we can to dispel anger in our hearts through confession, repentance, by walking with Jesus, letting the word wash over us, by trusting in the hope of the gospel, that it isn't always going to be that way, and by reconciling relationships with those around us. But our righteousness still needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, or we're not getting into the kingdom. Exactly. Like our righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And you just picture the scribes and the Pharisees in this moment going like, well, that's tough. I didn't know it was about anger. But they did all the actions right. What about you and I who don't even get our actions right? What are we meant to do? Well, we need to put our faith in God. We need to trust in God. Because Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him you and I would become the righteousness of God. Do you know whose righteousness is greater than the Pharisees? Jesus. Do you know whose righteousness is perfect? Jesus. The same one that laid his life down so that you and I would be brought into the family of God, that we would have his righteousness, that we would be clothed in white. And so when we go to God, we don't go saying, I haven't murdered or I don't have anger in my heart. We go to Him going, Jesus, look at Jesus. He is perfect. This is the good news of the gospel. We have nothing to bring and that's good because we don't need to bring anything. We just point to Jesus. He is our good Father. He is our Savior. We need to trust in Him. And we need to hope that the power of sin has been broken over our lives. And so while that we have been made right with God, we are still called to live holy lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to do all we can to pursue righteousness, righteous living. Knowing our position in Christ isn't going to change, but we need to put to death sin in our lives. And there is a hope that one day in eternity, we will rise together in glory and be with our perfect Savior. And so if this is you this morning, if this is your bent, this is your heart's disposition, maybe often you get angry and you explode and you get frustrated, or maybe you use your words too often to tear down, to belittle, to yell. Maybe it's just subtle put-downs. I want us to call us to something this morning. I want us to take the first step in moving towards putting to death this sin in our lives. And this might feel uncomfortable, but I think it's important because Jesus makes this serious for us. And because we have a hope in the gospel. And so what I want everybody to do is actually just close your eyes right now. I'm not going to do an altar call. But if you're in here this morning and you have a heart disposition towards anger, too often you explode or you bottle it up and you lash out. Maybe it's more often than not to your loved ones. Maybe use your words to pull down, not breathe life. Or maybe you're in here this morning 
and you know there is a relationship that you need to reconcile, I'm just going to ask you in a moment to put your hand up because I would love to pray for you. No one's looking. My hand is already up. So if that is you this morning, if that is in your heart and you want freedom, because Jesus offers freedom, if there are reconciliation that needs to take place, I'll just ask you to put your hand up now. It's awesome. Thank you. Put your hand down. God, you're a good God. And you have shown us grace and mercy through your son, Jesus. As he has died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And so I just pray for all of us this morning. Whatever sin is in our hearts, whatever sin is in our lives, that we would not be weighed down by guilt and shame, that we wouldn't be weighed down by condemnation, but that we would receive your grace, receive your forgiveness this morning. Know that we are found in Christ. Know that we have the righteousness of God. And Lord, I also pray for those here this morning that have said, hey, that is me. My heart's disposition towards anger, towards frustration towards lashing out with words. Maybe it's just subtle put-downs, whatever it is, Lord, I pray for us this morning that you would heal us, that you would distinguish, extinguish this sin in our lives, that you would take our anger away, that you would fill it with the fruit of the Spirit, that you would make us gentle and kind, slow to anger. God, thank you that there is power in your word. And as we spend time reading it, it changes us. So would you help us, even this week, spend more time walking with you, talking with you, Jesus. I pray for those relationships this morning that need to be reconciled. God, would you bring about reconciliation? Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts to be confident to go and to reconcile quickly those relationships? Would you help us to own what we need to own, to forgive when we need to forgive and apologize where we need to apologize? Would you shine your light into these relationships and as there is reconciliation, would we experience the joy of the gospel? Would we experience unity and brotherly and sisterly love this morning? Would you reunite family members? Would you reunite friendships? God, I pray for all of us that however we struggle, we'd continue to hope in the gospel, that the power of sin no longer holds us down, that we are free and that you are changing us day by day, glory by glory, into the image of your Son. You're a good God. You're a kind God. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.